Well, guys, uh, we had Gary and Candice are actually on leave at the moment, so we kind of had pre-recorded pre Sundays available, and we just thought, listen, we can't go with the pre-record after the week that we've had. We've got to be live and be contextual, so that's that's kind of why there's a little bit of chaos this morning in terms of uh, trying to get this going when uh, without a Gary and Candice, so just with Heather and I trying to figure this stuff out. But friends... Um, what a week. Uh, somebody said it's been a great year this week. Um, it's kind of, it's been absolutely profoundly um, disturbing, sad, but on the other hand, kind of ending with this, with this kind of sense of hope and the future that this nation is. One of the, I'm going to be preaching out of Isaiah 6 uh, this morning. And uh, in Isaiah Six. It's Isaiah has this encounter in the throne room of God, and he sees these these seraphs flying and around, and and he's this, there's this kind of spiritual realm that he encounters that kind of he's almost surprised at, and he 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 gets he encounters God, he sees God high and lifted up, he sees the spiritual realm moving, and and we're going to get into that this soft this morning. But the reason why I'm saying that to you now is we do have to understand, as believers, our worldview is we don't fight against flesh and blood as powers and principalities. It's not, there is a there is a war going on in the heavenlies that's released something in South Africa. It's like there's a, we've got to understand that there is a, a spiritual realm that has a bearing and has an effect and, and in many respects is more real than the realm that we live in here on earth. And, and we've got to keep praying. And the, we are seated at the right hand of the Father. We have authority in that realm. And when we pray, friends, and when we, when we partner with God in prayer, what it does is it shifts something in the spiritual realm, which, which releases something on earth. And uh, I want to encourage us over this next week. We're going to continue praying every tw at 12 o'clock every, every day, um, uh, continuing tomorrow and Monday. And the reason why we're doing that is we cannot take um, our foot off the pedal now as we move into this next week, it's kind of the cleanups happening, but in many respects, the cleanup is the easy part. The the build up, it's the rebuilding that is the difficult part, and the the coming together that kind of transcends the moment of euphoria. Euphoria after the the kind of us getting through this moment this week, but we've got to make sure that we are praying. We've got to make sure that we are we are strong in God, and we are. We are partnering with God and we are calling out to God so that we can continue to be effective in what we're doing. Because the future is, is not, is not going to be solved now. It's going to be solved in the, in the months and the years to come as, as, as God has his plan. As this kind of massive thing has happened in the country, somebody said it's like a boil's been launched. It's, it's, this, it's this big thing that's happened which... I don't know if we can carry on the same. We've got to rethink who we are, what we're doing, um, kind of all that. We thought COVID would do that for us, but in the, another whole new realm now, this, this past week has seen that happen in our lives. And I really want to encourage us, we've got to keep praying. So if you can jump on at 12 o'clock um, every day this week, just come in and be there. Just throw your face and throw your amens and uh, contribute in a way. We're praying on Zoom together. It's just so, 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 so important. In fact, I would say it's more important than cleaning up the streets. It's actually, it's, 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 it's going to have more profound impact 
long lasting impact than actually what we're doing and cleaning up at the moment. And cleaning up is so profoundly good and we've got to be doing good and we've got to be doing something. So not saying that at all, but we've got to be praying. And I'm just deeply, deeply aware of the profound reality of that. And I pray that um, we can come together and continue to pray together as a community. But what I want to do is I want to go and look at Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, we've been looking at holiness, and this is one of those holiness passages. But it has, I think, so such good, uh, relevance for us today in the, in the time that we face right now. So I want to have a look at that, and um, let's trust that it ministers to us. So it says this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through to verse uh, 9. I saw in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I am among people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth. And said, and, and said, see this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, this is Isaiah talking, here am I, send me. What, what, what is profound to think about this if you were Isaiah? So up until this point, Isaiah, remember, is already ministering. So Isaiah is prophesying from Isaiah 1 right the way through to Isaiah 6. And he is, he's kind of said things like this in Isaiah um, chapter 2, verse 22. Stop trusting in man who is but a breath but in his nostrils. Of what account is he? He's talking to the people. He's, he's telling them, why are you just trusting in man? Why are you not trusting in God? He, he tells them in chapter 3, verse 10, tell the righteous it will be well with you, for you will, you will enjoy the fruit of your deeds. He goes through and he talks, and then he starts to give them all the woes. Woe to those who, who draw sin uh, along with cords of deceit. He talks about woe to those who are calling evil good and good evil. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who are Heroes at drinking wines and champions at mixing drinks who acquit the guilty with, for a bribe but deny justice to the innocent. He's, he's giving all these woes and he's, he's ministering. He is a man on a mission. And in the midst of that mission, he encounters God. He encounters the holiness of God in the throne room vision that he has. And it profoundly changes not only, I think, how he, his motive for ministering, but it changes how he ministers. And I think part of what you will see now in the year that King Uzziah died, it starts there. He has this moment. And I, and I put out a message earlier this week. And, 
And I said, it's in, it, it, this moment that, that Isaiah has this, this encounter, it's, Uzziah was, a, was, a, was a generally a good king. He, had, he reigned for 52 years, but he, he got prideful at the end of his reign, and he tried to do the job of a priest. He was a king. His job was to be a king. And what he did is he goes into the temple and he tries to offer a sacrifice, something that he was not um, called for, not designed for, not empowered and anointed for. And God judges him and gives him leprosy, and he ends up dying. So this good king that had done so much for God kind of dies. And it's in this moment of political chaos, the king is no longer on his throne. There's moral decline. There's all sorts of stuff happening in here. There's people have taken their eyes off of God in Israel. And it's in this moment where Isaiah is busy preaching that he encounters God in a profound, profound way. In this moment, friends, where there is political chaos, there's there's all sorts of things that are uncertain. There's, it's just, it's kind of in the same place that he was in. He encounters God. And although the king is not there, he looks at, he, he encounters God in his throne room and he sees God is high, is seated on the throne. God is seated high and he's high and lifted up. And it's the train with rope fills the temple. The train was, uh, the length of your train would determine how much authority you would have as a leader. But God's train fills the temple. It fills. It's overflowing. And he's high and he's lifted up. And I said in my message earlier, it's like God is seated on the throne. He's not worried. He's not. He doesn't have to be reelected. He doesn't have to be a kind of, he is enthroned. He's there and he's large and he is in charge in the midst of political disturbance, moral decline, and all that's happening in Israel, just as he is for us, friends. And we've got to take courage from that. We've got to take courage from the fact that God is on his throne. We've got to take courage from the fact that God's train is filling his temple. We've got to take courage from the fact that he's high and lifted up. It means that there's no greater authority than him, that he's, he's in a place of ruling and reigning. He's not indecisive. He's not threatened. He's not a victim. He is, he is the king and he's high and lifted up. And then Isaiah catches him and he, and he sees this and he starts to get a revelation of the holiness, the otherness. And we spoke uh, a few weeks ago, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what holiness means. It means that God is completely other. He's not like anything other that is created. He, he is completely other. And so he has this encounter with this God that is completely other. And he sees these spiritual beings that are guarding his throne flying around and they're covering their feet and their eyes and they're, they're flying around and they're calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And at the sound of their voices, as he's watching God and he's, and he's getting overwhelmed with the power of God, he's getting overwhelmed with the, the sight of God. And the, the, although he knows his nation is nowhere, he knows that God is becoming, is everything to him. And he, and he sees the, uh, the, these, these, these spiritual beings calling out, holy, 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 or Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shake, and the temple is filled with their smoke. It's incredible. At the sound of the voice of the seraphs, the whole foundation, some, uh, some translations say the foundations of the threshold were shaken. And he encounters God in this place. And it does something profound in him, friends. And this is 
this is what, what, what I think is so important for us in this, this moment. And it's, a, it's kind of one of those moments for the church where, where once again we get shaken to the core and we let the God that is in charge in the midst of things going wrong around us take us to a new level in him. And what happens with Isaiah here? He, he calls out, woe is me. Woe is me, I am ruined. And, so, and, and the ESV says, I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eye, because my eyes have seen the king. Because my eyes have seen the king, I realize, woe is me. So he's going from preaching, woe is you, to saying, woe is me. This is the encounter that he had. When he encounters God, he, he says, woe is me, not woe is you. He's preaching, woe is me, woe, woe is you. And actually he's calling out the sins of, of Israel. But he comes when he encounters God, he realizes actually what's in me needs to be dealt with, not just what's in them. You see, friends, when we, when we encounter God and when we find God and when we see him hand lifted up, the comparison of what's sinful becomes irrelevant because actually we realize what's inside of us is not acceptable to God. And he says, woe is me, woe is me, I'm, 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 I'm lost. I mean, he's been telling Israel, you're lost. And now he realizes, man, I'm lost. And I've realized over this week, friends, with all that's going on and with all the judgment and with all the, friends, there's no, there's no excuse for poor me people to become thieves. It's, it's like you, you can't justify looting. But what we can do, and, we, and, and instead of we can look at ourselves in a moment of holiness with God and say, actually, God, actually, I'm a looter. Woe is me. I'm lost. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I'm an, among the people of unclean lips. Because my eyes have seen the king. And friend, this, this moment needs to be a profound, there's so, much, there's so much going on that needs to be corrected. There's so much going on in our government that needs to be resolved in our nation. But friends, as the church, we can all stand with our Zion and say, woe is me. I'm lost. I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. Actually, I'm among a people of, of, of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. And I trust that for us, friends, I, I watched people going up Moor Road, driving down Moor Road, watched hundreds and hundreds of people walking up the road like, like this kind of train of people carrying all the stuff on their pushing trolleys. I've seen on the side of, free, on the, side of the freeway fancy cars with, with warehouses being looted in, 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 the, in the kind of Hammersdale area and then people pushing down um, uh, fridges and appliances down the batter of the, on the freeway and loading them into four by fours. It's like I look at this and you actually can just think, how can this be? And it's so easy to become judgmental about what others are doing and what happens with Isaiah He realizes, actually, no, I'm a man of uncleanness when he encounters God. And I wonder if this is not a moment 
where we so see God high and lifted up that we begin to say, Lord, actually, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm, on, I'm among a people of unclean lips, but I am lost. Please help me, Lord God. Please help me. I've seen the king. And I pray that the church sees the king high and lifted up. I pray that we as the church in Durban and in South Africa see the king seated on his throne. I pray that we see him seated on his throne. We take our eyes off of Uzziah who's no longer on his throne. We take our eyes off of the political chaos and we see God high and lifted up with the seraphs flying around and calling out holy, 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 shaking the foundations of our lives. And we say, God, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. It's an incredible thing when we have a revelation of his holiness. We get a revelation of who we are. And we get a revelation of what we're called to. And we start to see that now with Isaiah as he starts to move on. But isn't it incredible? You see, friends, when we have a revelation that we are lost, when we have a revelation that actually I could be a looter, when we have a revelation that actually in so many ways, although I might not have looted myself personally, in so many other ways I loot the kingdom. In so many other ways, my lips are unclean. In so many other ways, my thoughts are not God's thoughts. In so many other ways, my, my ways are not God's ways. In so many other ways, my, my actions are not God's actions. We start to realize there's a humility that breaks into our hearts. And there's a hunger for the power and the presence of God that says, God, will you come now? Will you come and, and save us? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. We're amongst the people of unclean lips. But I've seen you high and lifted up. Please come. The power, the, and friends, you know, did you, what happens to, with, a, with that kind of humility? God breaks in, and the seraphs fly to Isaiah with a live coal in their hand, it says, and they touch his lips. They touch his mouth. So much of what comes out of our mouths is a reflection of what in, is in our hearts. And this week, friends, stuff has come out of my mouth which is a bad reflection of what's in my heart. And I, and, I, and I can't believe I'm the only one. And I've had to say, God, actually, I'm a man of unclean lips. Please help me. But friends, the wonderful power of the name of Jesus in which we live is this. For Isaiah one of these, one of these angels, these beings, spiritual beings, Sarah's flower and, and touch his mouth. And he says, see this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. You see, friends, this is a moment to see how God high and lifted up in the midst of all that's going on, to see God high and lifted up, to get a revelation of who we are, of what's actually in our own hearts. What's in our own hearts and allow the blood of Jesus to take away our guilt and atone for our sin. You see, this is a moment, friends, for the gospel to do its work in our lives, in our hearts, so that we can become the people that God's called us to be. God is called and destined and the words we've been praying week after week. God, will you expose the, 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 the corruption? Will you expose the, 
the political forces that are at work? Will you expose the factions? Will you expose all the evil? But friends, I tell you, it, when it comes back down to it, Lord, will you expose the evil in my own heart? Will you expose us and will, will you, Jesus, come and take away my guilt and will you atone for my sin? And the wonderful thing is this, friends, is that God, is that Jesus comes and he does exactly that for us. It's this powerful moment, friends, where we see God high and lifted up. We realize that actually we're lost. And actually we rely on the blood and the power of Jesus to come and cleanse us, to take away our sin. To, at, at this, that moment of humility, friends, allows the forgiveness of God to break into our own hearts. And as soon as that happens, actually the forgiveness of God to break into this, this nation that we now lead, that we now are in. I realize part of, this, part of getting through this is forgiveness. It's forgiveness all around. We've got to forgive. We've got to be free. And when we realize what God has done for us, we actually got to take on again and just take the basics of the gospel and say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you that I'm free. Moving on with Isaiah in verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord. I'm actually I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at that, that line. Because up until now, he's seen God high and lifted up. And he's heard the seraph crying, holy, holy, holy. He's seen and he's been standing at the door, the threshold of the door, and he's felt its shape, but it's under the shaking of the, the voice of the, the seraph. And when he acknowledges who he is and how much of need he is of God and how much he needs God, and God responds by bringing the coal and he cleanses him of his guilt and he cleanses him and, sin, and atones for his sin, he then hears the voice of God, not just the voice of the seraph. And now the reason why I think this is so important for us as a nation now and as a church now is, friends, we more than ever need to hear the voice of God. And I tell you, there's a greater, it's almost like there's a greater opportunity for us to hear the voice of God in these moments. When, we, when this humility breaks into our hearts and this blood of Jesus cleanses us and takes away our guilt and we realize we are free in God. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? You see, friends, and then, then let me finish it off. And then Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. It starts with him encountering the holiness and the wonder of God and the high and lifted up king. It, 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 it moves to actually, I'm unworthy to be here myself. Actually, I've got a minister and I've got this message, but I need the message first. I've got a message. Friends, the church has a message of reconciliation. The church has a message of, redeem, of redemption. The church has a message of rebuilding. We spoke at the beginning of the year, Isaiah 61, because of all that Jesus has done for us, Isaiah says, 
You are to be a display of my splendor. You're a planting of the Lord, a display of my splendor. You are to be those that rebuild and renew and restore places of devastation. You are to build holy priests and ministers. We never knew that rebuilders and restorers would mean this now when we preached that then. You see, God, we've got a message of rebuilding. We've got, a, we've got an action. We've got, a, we've got a, a thrust of rebuilding, restoring, and renewing. But, friends, it starts with us taking stock again of what's in our own hearts and encountering God in his throne room and realizing, woe is me. Not woe is you. Woe is me. And then responding to the voice of God. Responding to the grace of God, responding to the blood of Jesus, responding to the gospel that says there's forgiveness in me, responding to the gospel that says there's reconciliation with me, responding to the gospel where it says you can be in my throne room because of what I've done for you. Remember, all Isaiah did was said, woe is me. The rest was what God did, what the, what the angelic, what the seraphs did. They came and cleansed. It's, it's what Jesus did that came and cleansed us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But it doesn't finish there. It's, it continues with God saying, who shall I send? Who shall I send? And I believe God is again saying to us, and who shall I send? But we've got to hear the voice of God. See, it's humility that draws us into hearing the voice of God. And, we, and when God says, now, whom shall I send? Our response is, and as, as it was for Isaiah, it was his instinctive response to say, I will go, Lord. Send me. But you see, friends, this time he's being sent with a different attitude. He's being sent with a, he's been sent with a humility because he's seen the king. He's not comparing himself with, with Israel. He's comparing himself with God and him high and lifted up. And so now when he goes and ministers, there's a deep humility. Now when he goes, there's a purity to his ministry. There's a purity to his motive for going because God, he's seen God high and lifted up. Friends, God is wanting to put a purity into our hearts as we go. And so much work has got to be done in feeding and restoring and rebuilding. And friends, let's trust, let's trust in prayer that we can bring down the strategic evil that's trying to force itself into this nation and become the church that comes with love and care and, and reconciliation and saying with the, with the woe is me church so that we're not saying woe is you. So that when we call it for, for reconciliation, actually we, it's, it's happened, something like that's happened in our hearts. Whom shall I send? God says, and Isaiah says, send me. So he had already been sent. He had already been speaking. It amazes me, but now he goes differently. And my prayer for us, friends, as we launch into this rebuilding and restoring phase of of this deep blow to the psyche and the soul of our nation. That we would encounter God on his throne. And we let him do the work in our hearts. Friends, everybody's looking for a new normal. Friends, the new normal is in our hearts. The new normal is in our minds. The new normal is there. We cannot be coming to church on a Sunday and playing games. We've got to allow God to deeply touch us so that we can become the people he's called us to be. We can become the Isaiahs that say, send me. You see, this encounter with holiness needs to mission. This encounter with holiness needs to, to something of God 
shifting something in our hearts so that we can become these people that bring this message with purity and clarity. And I pray that for every single one of us, I'm praying it for myself. Lord, please come. Let this be, let this be what you called us to be. Can I please just pray for you as we come to an end here? Lord, we want to be our eyes, Lord. We want you to send us, Lord. We want you to release us, Lord. But you want, we want you to send us and release us, Lord God, with a, with a changed heart, Lord. God, you called us to be followers of you, Lord. Jesus, we called us, you've called us to be disciples of you, Lord. We want to see a great revival come to our land, Lord. But it's going to take the church encountering you and your holiness and saying, woe is me, I am lost. And allowing the blood of Jesus to once again deepen the work in our hearts, to cleanse us, to restore us, to redeem us, and then to send us out like you did Isaiah. Lord. Send us out with a message, Lord God. Send us out with action, Lord God. Send us out with prayer. Send us out, Lord God, with a with a love and a care for your people, Lord God. Send us out with forgiveness. Send us out with a with a humility, Lord God, like never before. And I pray that that's the case for us, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for the, the blessing of community coming around and moving forward, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, for communities coming together, Lord God. All sorts of races, all sorts of cultures, all sorts of income, all sorts of people, Lord God, just coming together to clean up streets. Lord, what a beautiful picture it is of the kingdom coming, Lord. Father, take it deeper, low, Lord God. Take it further, Lord God. Let us be those that are sent by you, Lord God. Let us be those that respond to your commissioning now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.